we all have our own idea of what financial freedom means. It may be a beach house. It may be a nice car. Maybe you want to spend more time with your family. Maybe you want to take a month-long vacation to Greece. Hi, I'm Kyle Stevenson, and you're listening to the Assets and Orthopedics Podcast. In this forum, we hope to educate medical students, residents, physicians, and other providers on the power of investing, especially in real estate assets and syndications. We want to help providers gain financial intelligence with the hope of earning financial freedom. Please listen and learn so you can spend more time doing what you love with who you love. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, this is Kyle Stevenson. I'm an orthopedic surgeon, fellowship trained in sports medicine. I am also founder and managing partner of Sharp Investments. I have a beautiful wife and two young kiddos, Fletcher and Navy. They are my why as I aspire to achieve my dreams. The overall goal of this podcast is to educate medical students, residents, physicians, and other providers on creating financial freedom through avenues such as real estate investing and entrepreneurship. We will bring on guests of all walks of life that I think will give us as providers different perspective on ways we can gain financial intelligence and overall financial freedom. We will talk to physicians who are entrepreneurs, some will own businesses, some will be involved in real estate. We want to pick their brains of these folks who are once in your shoes and have gone on living their dream life. Recently, a podcast mentor of mine gave me great advice as I was starting this podcast. He said, number one, talk to the audience like I'm talking to my former self of five years ago. And number two, which is great for all entrepreneurs, take action. As Rod Cleef, who is a multifamily guru, says, take massive freaking action. We will get more into what that truly means as we dive deeper into following episodes. But as we move on with the show, I want you to think of this quote by Tony Robbins. Life begins at the end of your comfort zone. So why talk about investing? I love medicine. I love my staff in the operating room. I love my staff in the clinic. I love seeing my patients. They come to me with a problem, and I love the look on their face or the hug that I get when they're pain-free again or when they get back to living their comfortable life. Nothing better than seeing your patients in a strongman competition after multiple surgeries or getting back on the field after reconstructing an ACL. There's always been a part of me, however, who likes freedom, where I'm not trading my time to make money, and I'm sure this is you as well. A great quote by Rick Warren, who wrote the book Purpose Driven Life, says that time is your most precious gift because you only have a set amount of it. You can make more money, but you can't make more time. So a few examples of what motivates me to think this way and why I wanted to start this podcast. So I personally like to work out early in the morning before anybody in the house gets up. I get home and... There are random mornings when I hear little feet coming down the stairs. It's my two and a half year old son. So I'm making coffee. I hear my son coming down the stairs. We sit there. He makes his little uh, matcha uh, with uh, milk and honey. And I have my coffee. And we sit there and just have a conversation of me with a two and a half year old kid. And he is wise beyond his years. But those are the, those are the mornings where I know I have to rush off to the operating room to, to get started in surgery. But it's so darn difficult to leave, the, leave those conversations. Those are days where I want my freedom. Another example is when your son or daughter has a game at 5 p.m. Your schedule works out perfectly. You're going to get there just in time. Your day is done at 4.15. You can get in the car, get to that game. However, inevitably, in medicine, your last patient needs more attention or there's a trauma that comes to the emergency department or something unexpected occurs in your practice. Those days are where you want options or you want financial freedom. Another example that maybe you can relate to We all have attendings like this, I think. I had an attending in residency who was a brilliant orthopedic surgeon. He was very well respected in the orthopedic community. He was very well respected by staff. Uh, However, he was not well respected at home. 
He was divorced multiple times. His kids didn't know him that well because he worked a lot. I'm sure some of you have worked with an attending like this. When that attending retires and medicine is no longer in the picture, it's a pretty lonely life and no family. Uh, they, they essentially lose their identity when they lose medicine, and that's not the retirement that I want. So I have been teaching medical students and residents since I started practicing in 2018. I obviously teach orthopedics to my residents and medical students because I think it's important for most specialties to know. Uh, I, I know that I gained so much from my other rotations outside of orthopedics when I was a medical student. Uh, I actually loved OBGYN when I was a resident, um, but again, fell in love with orthopedics, and, and that's the route I went. But I, I love teaching these young docs. Uh, I love teaching them bedside manner. I teach them how to build trust with your patients, getting an efficient history and physical from your patients, giving cortisone injections, how to scrub into surgery, etc. I try to teach them so many things about orthopedics and surgery in general. However, I know most of them are not going to go into orthopedics. They're not going to be orthopedic surgeons. So over time, I felt like I was teaching them about money. And I feel like that arguably may be more important than what I was teaching them about orthopedics. I love being a mentor to medical students and residents. They are some of the smartest people on this earth. However, there's a lack of education on building wealth and financial intelligence throughout our training. And I think it's a big void and an opportunity that is missed. So what is financial freedom? Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, which we will talk about later, describes the true meaning of financial freedom. He states that financial freedom is not about how much money you have. Rather, it's about a change in your mindset. In my mind, financial freedom is when you have passive income through investing in assets that surpasses your monthly expenses. So what does financial, me excuse me, what does financial freedom mean to you? We all have our own idea of what financial freedom means. It may be a beach house. It may be a nice car. Maybe you want to spend more time with your family. Maybe you want to take a month-long vacation to Greece. You want to work the hours you want to work. Maybe it's part-time. Maybe you want to see a certain number of patients per week that is less than what you're seeing now. Uh, maybe you want to go on a medical mission trip to a third-world country to make a bigger impact. I want you to start thinking of your future and what you would want it to look like. What would you do with your life if you had $10 million in the bank? As doctors and providers, medicine and patients are, of course, our number one priority. But you, have physicians, uh, excuse me, you as physicians and providers do make good money. You have an opportunity to let that money work for you so you can live the life you want with who you want. Most of us, if not all, got into medicine to help people. We want to make a positive impact in our local communities. Could we, however, make a bigger impact? I propose that by investing well, you could be more generous with your time, talent, and treasure. You could create a charity. You could travel to countries in need. You could put more money into helping child trafficking. Whatever that passion is for you, I think you can have an even bigger impact by, by investing your money well. Entrepreneurs that I've been around are the most generous with their money, and they value their time and charitable work more than anything. I find this fascinating. Um, the Bible. So the Bible mentions believe 272 times. The Bible mentions pray 371 times. The Bible mentions love 714 times. The Bible mentions giving 2,161 times. I find that fascinating. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. So moving on, why is financial freedom important? It is widely known that doctor reimbursement has been going down, and for some reason, administrative reimbursement continues to trend up. More doctors are becoming hospital employed, which therefore will give you less freedom. Medical school tuition continues to rise. Interest rates are up, so it makes it more difficult to pay back the loans. Uh, 
something that Robert Kiyosaki, again, I'm uh, referring to him, but on his podcast, he alluded to this, and I looked it up to make sure. Um, but the, the government's largest asset of 42% is student loans. So that's even more than taxes and the military-industrial complex. Another reason why financial freedom is important, medical malpractice lawsuits have been rising. Anecdotally, my father-in-law just retired last year, and he has two lawsuits since retiring, which is more than his entire career. So for me personally, I'm not financially free at this point, but I want to take you along my journey as I continue to grow and learn from guests and experts on this podcast. On that note, here's a quote that I love from the founder of McDonald's, Ray Kroc. When you're green, you're growing. When you're ripe, you rot. So what investments are out there? There are types of investments such as stocks and bonds, cryptocurrency, commodities like gold and silver. There's real estate that we're gonna be talking about uh, with multifamily, but there's also real estate single family ownership. There's uh, midterm rental, short-term rental, long-term rental. There's multifamily uh, syndications and multifamily uh, investments, so we could talk more about that. There's also other commercial real estate such as retail or self-storage uh, amongst many others. So I want this podcast to be truly educational. I want to keep terms and ideas fairly simple. Financial intellect does not mean it has to be complex. Organic chemistry and learning the Krebs cycle were difficult enough for all of us, so let's keep investing light and fun. This podcast will focus primarily on real estate assets, particularly multifamily investing. This is one of the best asset classes in my opinion. Overall, diversifying our investments will minimize risk, but truly the best way to minimize risk is gaining financial literacy. So simple definitions on that note, what is an asset and what is a liability? Assets put money into your pocket and liabilities take money out. So an example of an asset is owning real estate that pays you cash flow each month. Um, an example of liability is paying your mortgage on your home each month. So uh, to put those two together, your net worth by definition is your assets minus your liabilities. So assets put money into your pocket, liabilities take money out, and therefore assets minus liabilities is your net worth. And I think it's a great exercise for all of you out there, medical students, residents, young physicians, other providers, PAs, CRNAs, um, nurse practitioners, anybody, go through that exercise of figuring out your assets, your liabilities, and figure out your net worth. A quick note to medical students and residents, it's referenced in the book White Coat Investor by Jim Dolly. But it's encouraged to max out your Roth IRA while you're in residency, which is about $6,000 a year. Uh, I would encourage you to put in index funds or, or low expense funds, similar to an S&P 500, just to keep things simple. Studies show that it is very difficult to beat the market. And you can read books by uh, the starter of Vanguard, John Bogle, or the founder of Vanguard, John Bogle. Um, essentially put in index funds, invest it, and forget it. It's more about time in the market than timing the market. You'll hear that a lot. And compound interest is a beautiful thing. So the earlier you put it in, the better for you. This will allow you to focus on medicine and learn how to be the best doctor or provider you can be. So moving on, let's move on to multifamily investing. And why do I like multifamily investing? Uh, another name for multifamily investing is a multifamily syndication, which just means that there's a general partner who finds the deals and there's limited partners who invest in the deal passively. So uh, four main reasons why I like multifamily investing. One, number one is appreciation. In general, property appreciation means an increase of its value over time. The more an asset appreciates in value, the more profit is made 
on its refinance or sale. In addition to this natural appreciation, we can also look at forced appreciation, which is adding value to an apartment complex or multifamily unit for forced appreciation. Number two are the tax benefits through depreciation or paper loss. And we'll get more into that in future episodes. But why is the tax benefit so important, especially for physicians? Well, we make good money, but what is our biggest expense? Is it our mortgage? Is it uh, the country club payments? What is it? It's actually taxes. We essentially work 40% of the year for the government. So almost half the year we are working for free to give that money to the government. So that's why getting tax benefits is so important to us. Number three is a term called amortization, which is basically renter, uh, the renter at the multifamily unit is paying down your mortgage. And number four, which is very important, is cash flow. Getting cash flow monthly or quarterly from your real estate asset. So other take-home points for multifamily uh, investing and why I think it's important. Home values are increasing way faster than people's income. And this leads to more people renting. Younger generations tend to be renting more than their predecessors. Um, multifamily investing is a good way to hedge against inflation because rents will increase by 2 to 3% annually. Um, it's also a good way to hedge against recession because people still need to live and they're likely going to rent over buy during a recession as long as you're in a good area of uh, secured jobs. So we will get more into detail in future episodes about uh, multifamily syndications or investing. Um, we'll talk about limited partner versus general partner, but I just want to say this in short, being a limited partner has advantages, especially for busy professionals like us. Um, so a limited partner, what does that mean? It means putting capital or your money in a deal and being part owner of that apartment complex. And the best part of that is it's completely passive. You hand your money, uh, We'll go into detail, of course, about this, but you want to vet the sponsors, vet, uh, excuse me, vet the, uh, the syndicator. But when you hand your money off to a trustworthy uh, syndicator or operator, it's completely passive. The general partner does all the work and you help fund and become part owner of, a, of the uh, apartment complex. So let's move on. Financial advisors. We will all be, if we haven't already, advised to get a financial advisor. Uh, most of us have been told to get a financial advisor. You're in residency and, and people know that you're going to start making good money. And so they're going to come after you. Financial advisors are salesmen a lot of times um, and they're good at it. And so, you know, we all like our money. And, and the best thing to do is to do your research. So I think it's smart to have someone watching over your money, somebody that that's their job. That's all they do. You can focus on being a good physician uh, or provi provider. And you can hand your money to someone you trust that does a good job with your money. Now, the big problem is the industry standard, quote unquote, industry standard is 1% or more uh, of what you pay for a financial advisor. So be careful with this. 1% a year does not sound like much. But in the book, I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. Um, it's a he's a best-selling author. And again, the book is called I Will Teach You to Be Rich, which is great. It has a lot of pearls. Uh, but in that book, he states that paying your financial advisor 1% annual fee costs you 
30% return on investment over your lifetime. So just 1% a year will actually cost you 30% of your return on investment over your lifetime. The reason we're paying these financial advisors is to keep more of our money, but yet you're losing 30% return on investment by paying 1% annual fee. Now, if you bump that up to 2% annual fee, it actually can cost you 63% of your lifetime return on investment. So my advice is it's recommended to pay a flat fee for financial advice and not a percent. Your money will likely go up as the market goes up over time, and that percent will continue to pay that financial advisor uh, that higher amount. And so by keeping a, a flat fee, um, you can control how much you're paying for that financial advice. Um, I actually have a colleague who is an entrepreneur, and uh, we've since become friends, but he started a financial advisor business called advisor.com, and they charge a flat annual rate, uh, which I love. So you get top-of-the-line financial advice for much less than the quote-unquote industry standard, uh, and I'm not paid by him at all. I just uh, thought I'd throw that out there because there are companies like this um, that are actually willing to help us out and, and not take advantage of uh doctors or, or other professional uh, folks who aren't necessarily doing their due diligence. So I will have uh, Greg or one of his colleagues on a future episode to explain his business model, but I think it's great for young physicians and other providers um, to know more about it and to understand the flat rate. Because once you understand the importance of compound interest, you will appreciate the flat fee so much more than paying a percentage. Moving on to continuing education, what we all love. So CME is a big term that we all know. Uh, continuing medical education, something that we're required to do. But what about continuing financial education? So there's this quote by Mark Twain that my dad has always said to me, and it goes, don't let schooling get in the way of education. This quote means more to me today than it did back when I was immersed in my science and medical school books. Uh, but let me say it again. Don't let schooling get in the way of education. I love this. Podcasts, books, conferences. There's so many financial uh, resources out there. Again, podcasts, books, conferences. You can go to all these things. Um, I would say that this one thing has propelled me more than anything, uh, especially in finances. I know that as medical students and residents, you have enough to read regarding medicine. Um, so I'm going to keep the reading simple. I'm not going to bombard you with books because I know that once you get started on reading just a couple books, um, you'll continue to, to move on to the next and, and want to keep reading. So I'll give you one or two books that you can start reading now that will help you greatly in your future. I'd encourage you to set aside some time outside of studying to get started on, on reading some financial books. Successful people like CEOs on average read between about 50 to 60 books a year. That's about five books a month. Um, a guy that I, I like and I've been following, Patrick Bet David is his name. He's an entrepreneur. He's founder of Valuetainment on YouTube, as well as a minority owner of the Yankees. He's worth over about $200 million. And in, in his household, he recently stated on his social media that in his household, pages are currency. And what that means is his kids, uh, if his kids want something, they read a certain number of pages of books to buy what they want. And I thought that was enlightening. It, it pushes your kiddos to continue to learn, want more, and grow. So the first two books I would encourage you to read. Very first one, and I think majority of uh, entrepreneurs would say that they read this, and this likely started the journey on, on the mindset, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I've mentioned his name a couple times here today. 
um, but he is a great entrepreneur. Um, but this book is one of a kind. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is what it's called. It's going to change your mindset about money. The wealthy don't work for money. They acquire assets and let their money work for them. Um, that's, that's what the book uh, essentially will teach you. Another good book is by Jim Dolly. And again, I referenced him, but he's an MD, uh, emergency medicine physician. And he wrote the book White Coat Investor, which through medical school and residency is a great book. To lean on. So again, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki and White Coat Investor by Jim Dolly. Create two books to get started. All right. So um, I am currently working with residents now. So I'm going to continue to ask my residents what topics are important to them. But I'd also love to get your response on future topics that you'd like to hear as well as a listener. So for the last portion, when I interview someone, I'm going to end each podcast with three poignant questions. And I'm going to give you my answers for them today. So the three questions. Number one, what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? And my answer to this is read more, be curious. Number two, find your purpose. I think that's big early on. Um, find your purpose. Number three, a grant, or excuse me, a, a good quote by Grant Cardone, which I like. He's a uh, entrepreneur and real estate guru in the multifamily space. Uh, but he says... Grind while they rest, study while they party, you will live like they dreamed. And my last bit of advice to my 25-year-old self is, I give this to the young generation all the time, kids in college, kids that um, uh, are young and trying to figure out what they want to do. I say, I tell them, find someone that is doing what you want to be doing in the future. Take that person out to coffee, pick their brain. If they tell you to read three books, go read those three books. Come back to them, tell them about those three books. Learn from them as much as you can and then latch on to that person as your mentor. You're essentially forcing them to be your mentor. Um, mentors love to teach. And so uh, be that person that loves to learn. All right. Question number two. What is your definition of wealthy? For me, my definition of wealthy is being on your own time. Having more time for my faith, health, family, close friends, and travel. Uh, and number three, last question that I'll ask uh, different interviewees. What does retirement look for, look like for you? What does retirement look like for you? Uh, for me personally, when I think of my retirement, I think of a house on the ocean with my wife and kiddos uh, and other family around, you know, our siblings, parents, uh, cousins around. Um, I would love boating, fishing, golfing. That sounds glorious to me. Uh, and a passion for me that I hope... Uh, to achieve is to make a big difference in the foster care system and ultimately child trafficking. Thank you for listening. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave a review so our community can continue to grow. If you would like to stay connected or receive a copy of your free investing ebook, please go to www.sharpinvestmentsllc.com and that's sharp with a P as in provider. This is not financial or tax advice. Please consult with your financial advisor or CPA.